Hi everybody, I'm Henry Badry and I'm really excited to welcome you back to the seventh episode of Open Source for Business. In this episode, we talk with Paul Chen, the manager of open source compliance and enablement at Synopsys. Some of the interesting topics that we'll be diving deep into today include how does an open source audit work and what are some best practices that enterprises should be aware of? We dive deep into the Linux versus Cisco case which involves licenses and in particular the GPL license. We discuss the different types of licenses and how they work together and in some ways are related. We also go into the topic of security and open source software. Open Source of Business is brought to you by OpenTeens, the open source services marketplace where users of open source software can find, vet and contract with service providers. To show support for this podcast, it would really help if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to make sure that you don't miss any of our content. Joining me as a host today is Yunus Chenju, the VP of Partners at Open Teams. So are you ready? Let's dive right in. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, hello. How are you guys? Very good. Very good today. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. (laughs) So you've been a manager of open source enablement uh, and compliance at Synopsys for around over five years now. But before we get into the details of what that role actually entails, I'd really love it if you could uh, take us back and give us an idea of how you got here today. Yeah, so right after I graduated uh, with a computer science degree, um, I joined QVinci. Uh, it's a it's a small company that's uh, based in uh, Austin, Texas. And then uh, back then, I was uh, one of the three uh, engineer, software engineer uh, developing um, applications for them. Um, and then right after that, I jumped to the uh, Microsoft. Um, Dynamics AX ERP, I was a software engineer uh, for about two to three years. Um, and after that, you know, I, I moved to California, uh, Bay, the Bay Area. And then um, and after one, one more year, um, I got hired by uh, Black Duck, which is uh, which got acquired by Synopsys now. So, yeah, it's it, it, it was a fun journey. I mean, overall, it was it was it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, why are we on the topic? How about you tell us a little bit about what Synopsys is all about? Yeah. So basically, uh, there are three different uh, groups in Synopsys. Uh, the first one is the uh, EDA, the Electronic Design Automation, mm-hmm. right? And then the second branch is actually the Intellectual IP. And uh, our group is actually, uh, they, they belong to uh, the third one, which is the software integrity group. Uh, so we use our software to do services, uh, regard, you know, it's about security. And my team is especially um, emphasized in um, um, open source licensing and compliance. Nice. 
That's pretty awesome. Um, and, and again, like we just want to learn more a little bit about your background and really your day-to-day -day, uh, activities as a manager of um, open source enablement and compliance at Synopsys. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what that role entails? Yeah, so I'm actually a people manager. Uh, I manage six people as of now. And mm -hmm. uh, that's probably 30% 30, 30 of my day-to-day -day job. Mm -hmm. uh, the other 40%, I would say, I'm always on the customer call with the customers, with along with our salespeople. Mm -hmm. And my job is to answer the technical questions regarding, you know, do they have any concerns regarding the uh, open source audits or, you know, is, is there anything that we can help them or do they have any questions regarding the scope of our audits? So, um, yeah, and then... That's 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 pretty much what what my day to day uh, job is. Okay, and I understand that an, an open source audit, they, it's a company comes, they a client comes to you, they provide code, um, and you go through that code and you figure out what's open source, what's not. You figure out the dependencies. That's my basic idea, but I really am curious, what is an open source audit uh, in, in your perspective, and how does it work? Yeah, so. You know, the first step is to determine the scope of uh, what we are, what we will be looking at inside the code base, right? So usually we will have a kickoff call with the customer and, uh, you know, to understand more about what they do and what are their products, right? And after that, we need to uh, come to an agreement with the scope, uh, like as far as like what we will be looking at. Um, usually what we are interested in is the software application, right? So whatever they develop, that's those, those source code along with the dependency libraries. So in order to um, get the full landscape of the open source usage, we will be looking, we will need to be looking at the, both the, the, the source code along with the dependency libraries. So that's, that's basically um, the scope is, right? So, so after we get the code, usually customers will upload their code to us, and then they will, before that they will sign an NDA, of course, right? And then um, within our knowledge base, we call it the yeah we call it the knowledge base, but it, it's it is just a, a database, right? So uh, Black Duck uh, Synopsis, um, we have been collecting open source uh, components for the past fifteen years, and then uh, in our database, we actually have over three, I would say 2.8 to 3 million uh, open source components. Wow. So, wow. so after we um, scan, the, scan the customer's code, and then uh, our software will do a comparison between whatever they have to whatever we have in our database. And then uh, after that, the software will show us uh, as far as like if there anything is matching, right? Say today, if there's a small function or a small class that's matching whatever we have in the database, the software will tell the consultants, which is, we call it the, our um, auditors, right? And then they will, from there, they will do some research and, and uh, determine what the origin of the code is and also the license and a website. And if there's anything that the, our customer needs to um, be, be aware of. Right, so that's that's the second step, right? So the final step for the um, 
open source source audit is that uh, we will produce a reports to our, our customers and then um, so inside the report there there will be uh, based on what we are we, we research right so say today if we uh, uh, scan the code base and then inside the code base there are bunch of open source components, right? And basically we will categorize them into three different categories. So the first category will be, uh, we call it the reciprocal license category, red flag, right? So um, in the case that if uh, anything that belongs to uh, copyleft licenses, for example, GPL, LGPL, Sleepy Cat or a Feral GPL, uh, licenses, we will put them in those categories. And uh, the other cat category is called the, um, the the permissive licenses category, right? So those are, uh, sometimes we will see a lot of interesting licenses. I will give you two examples. One, I mean, obviously the most common ones are probably the MIT license, mm -hmm. the Apache license and BSD license. Yeah. but. Uh, Sometimes you see like a beerware license. Those licenses uh, will ask the users to maybe uh, buy the author a beer, right? So those are the interesting uh, open source license that I see. And the other one, uh, the most interesting one is called the do the whatever F, whatever the F you want license. So nice. that is almost like a public domain, right? So yeah, those, those yeah, are those are pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then cool. after that, yeah. And after that, customer can uh, they can uh, read the utilize the reports and and, uh, and then pinpoint to the areas that uh, they might need to be looking at, right? Okay. And so, who are these clients? Why are they coming to you? So basically, you know, I would say eighty percent of the time is during a merger and acquisition situation. Right. So say today if you have a larger company that's going to acquire a smaller company and then usually they they're interested interested in um the IP of those the, the smaller company, right? Sometimes they will be worried about, you know, if there's any reciprocal license that they use uh inside the code base. Because mm -hmm. uh you know, back in two thousand eight I think there was a famous uh, lawsuit between the uh, free software foundation and the uh, cisco right cisco at the time cisco acquired the um Linksys, the router company and then um apparently there were a lot of uh, gpl copy left uh, source code inside the Linksys uh, software so at the time um the free uh, software foundation actually demanded uh, Cisco to disclose all this, all the, all the source code. Wow. And then right after that, you know, the, the router, the price of the router dropped drastically because now everyone knows the, the, how, how to do that, how to, how to write those uh, software. Right. So obviously that's the most important um, thing that uh, people are, are, are afraid of. Right. So what happens when licenses don't match or there are compliance issues? Yeah, so basically uh, inside the report, we will have some recommendations, right? Usually it's basically there are three things that, that you can do. You can, you can either rewrite it, 
or replace it or remove it, right? Mm -hmm. Rewrite it, meaning that if you find anything that's copy left, you don't you don't want to disclose whatever you modify. You can just um, you can just take them out altogether and then ask your developers to rewrite the functionality that you want into the software, right? That's 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 the number one. And replace it is, is you can maybe find other open source components and then replace it with, with the permissive license and replace it with the uh, the copyleft component, right? And the last one is to remove it altogether. Sometimes, you know, we will be looking at, we will be asking the developers, hey, do we, do you really need this um, piece of uh, software or this uh, file inside the code base? And they will say they're just, they don't use them. So um, they can just remove it if that's the case. So what our goal is trying to eliminate the, the risk altogether, right? Okay, and what should companies be most aware of or what's the most important thing when they're undergoing an open source audit? What's the most important thing to consider? Um, you know, basically, the first question we ask is around surrounding the scope, what we will be looking at. And also, the, the, we are trying to get an understanding of how they deploy their software, right? In the case that, because every... Uh, open source licenses uh, has a set of obligations. And then in our database, we have over 2,500 uh, open source licenses. And then wow. it, they all have different uh, attributions and also obligations that uh, whenever you use it, you need to comply with, right? Um, but in the case that sometimes if you don't ship the software, meaning that you don't package your software and then ship it to, to the users or customers for them to install on their hardware, you don't need to um, comply with those obligations, right? So okay. that's the other question that usually I ask is, is this, uh, do you guys actually ship your software or is it just a web application that uh, it's, it's deployed in the cloud, right? If that's the case, um, the users merely interact with the software using a web browser and some sort of web browsers, right? Yeah. So that's that. That's two things I ask: is the scope, what what we are looking at, and also the uh, how they deploy their software. Okay, and I, and I know that a lot of companies are pretty surprised when they when they find out really how much open source they're consuming and using. So, what have you seen? Someone who's does 600 audits every single year. Yeah, I would say 90% of the time, they're a little surprised of how many open source components are in there, in their uh, software, and how many kinds of different licenses are in there, right? And then I would say 73% of the time, uh, we find some sort of red flag, meaning that uh, there are copyleft licenses for example, Eclipse licenses, Eclipse public licenses, or um, GPL, LGPO in there, right? So um, it's it's very common, right? Well, I would like to shift gears a bit and dive a bit deeper into something you touched earlier, and that is open source licenses. Can you explain the different types of licenses and how they work? Yeah, so um, like I say, I think uh, different licenses have different set, sets of 
obligations, right? Mm -hmm. And then we categorize them into basically two different categories. The first category is called the uh, the, the reciprocal license. So um, uh, basically, inside inside those reciprocal licenses, um, the obligation, the most the most, uh, the most um, um, major obligation that uh, we are looking at is that whenever you use the software and you modify the files or you combine your work with the with the um, components that you use uh, you are going you you will have to disclose whatever you modify or your work with to the you need to contribute back to the open source community right so that's mm -hmm. that's the first kind of uh, I would say the first category, right? So, but the other category is called the, like I say, permit the permissive category. So um, basically uh, a lot of them are just, you need to give attributions to the users and authors of the code of the origin, right? So every time you use it, when you, for example, if you uh, take your iPhone and then go to the settings and go to the, uh, you know, you will find a lot of legal uh, license uh, documents, and then inside those documents, you will see um, they are constantly giving back, giving the at, giving the credits to the authors of those open source components. So, are there occasions where there are actually no licenses up, uh, um, associated to an open source project? Yeah. So sometimes when our consultants or slash auditors, they're looking at a certain piece of software. Awesome. Sometimes they um, they find that on the web, web homepage, the authors, they do not specify any license that's associated for this particular component, right? So mm -hmm. if the case, usually we mark it as uh, no license, right? And then- Awesome. And one thing I want to kind of shift gears a bit and focus on, because I know it's a hot topic and it's definitely something that's becoming more and more important these days, particularly in the open source space. So I'm curious as someone who's an, an audit and compliance expert like yourself, when it comes to open source, what is your perspective on the issue of security? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So um, for our reports, uh, we have, uh, another product called the open source risk assessment, right? So after we uh, finish an open source audit, uh, usually the report will populate a bunch of list of uh, components, open source components that's inside the report. And uh, the risk assessment will actually be looking into the vulnerabilities that each um, open source component has or those vulnerabilities that have been reported, right? And then we will populate that list of vulnerabilities to our customers. Awesome. And sometimes I think that's that's very valuable. For example, there's uh, there was probably in 2018, 2017, there was a Equifax breach, right? Mm -hmm. So at the time, Equifax was using the software was using. Um, open source component called the Apache strut. Mm -hmm. And inside the struts, there was uh, a vulnerability that was reported, but obviously um, the uh, Equifax, they did not 
upgrade their open source version, the Apache struts to the to the latest version, and that's why there was a breach there, right? So um, that is actually, uh, and more and more uh, customers come come to us and, and trying to ask for the open source risk assessment reports. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, uh, Paul, it definitely seems like you have a lot of experience uh, um, in the open source space. Uh, what are you the most excited about when it do come to the future of open source software? Well, I think our job is trying is trying to enable the open source use and ensure that there is no risk in this uh, in the open source usage, right? And then a lot of times I think uh, why people, why do people use open source is because they don't have to reinvent the wheel. A lot, a lot of times those open source communities, those developers, they, they are actually uh, smart uh, developers and then they have very sophisticated uh, software out there for people to use. As long as you use it uh, with the right usage and then with the right correct license. And then that's, I, I think that's the beauty of open source. And then we are very excited to uh, be able to help people to do that. Awesome, awesome. That's great. It's definitely it's so exciting to be part of this growing industry and something which is changing the world and changing the software landscape as we know it. So. Sadly, that's all we have time for today, folks. Uh, but Paul, thank you so, so, so much for joining us and sharing your insights today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So to those of you listening, if you liked what you listened to, or if you saw the video on YouTube too, then please like, subscribe, and also leave a comment. It'll help out a lot. Um, and also leave a review on the podcast if you're listening to us on the podcast. So next episode, we'll be talking with Nithya Ruff, who is the head of open source at Comcast. So stay safe, everyone. Until next time. Bye.